I'd love you if you were the color of a baboon's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Iron Balls Michael. <laughs> That's maybe like one of my favorite uh, names in the whole movie. Yeah, that's that's priceless. Oh uh, yeah, it was so great. I was like, I was reading the uh, characters. We are way off topic already, but I was reading the characters and the actors on IMDb, and I was like, an iron balls McGinty. I was, McGinty. And I was sitting there like completely ironically, like, hmm. I'm trying to think of what Iron Balls McGinty it is. And then I went, wait, his name is Iron Balls McGinty. I remember Iron Balls. I mean, this movie throws so much stuff at you that by that point in the movie, you almost kind of don't even blink. Yeah. And before we talk about the movie that we're doing this week, I just wanted to say a special thanks to everyone. Thank you all for the great movie recommendations. This is the Viewer's Choice episode, our first ever. There's a lot of great stuff here, and we've added a ton of great movies to our watch list. And to be honest, I expect that several of these films that we didn't pick on this episode will be picked in the next year for episodes. Specifically, The Green Mile was one we kind of talked about back and forth that almost yeah. made the cut. And I think that would have been my first choice yeah. behind this. And and The Green Mile is something that we've had on our list, I think, since day one of the podcast. And it's been bounced across each other in a few episodes but we haven't quite got there on that one yet but in the next year we will do the green mile the other one that i wanted to uh, shout out as well was the adventures of buckaroo bonsai the person who recommended that one i watched the trailer for it and i was like this is this is literally my taste in movies i cannot wait to watch this movie i've never heard of that movie or seen the trailer but i can already I'm conjuring, the title alone is conjuring a lot of vivid images in my mind. So the title is The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension, which is a 1984 sci-fi. The trailer looks hilarious and surreal, and I am just, I'm so invested just by the I'm trailer. I'm picturing some, like, Flash Gordon stuff Oh, right yeah. yeah. I'm, I can't wait. I cannot wait to watch it. <laughs> Um, so we will do that on the podcast, I promise you, in the next year. Uh, the last one that I was going to mention was Cape Fear. Oh, Robert De Niro. Yes. Yeah. And more importantly, Martin Scorsese, um, who is coming out with a movie in the next year called Killers of the Flower Moon, which I am very excited what? to check out. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a true story. And I think that we might have to do a Martin Scorsese two-part special in the next year to celebrate that movie coming out. Have you ever seen The Irishman? I have not yet. His big Netflix epic? I've kind of been waiting for the right time to watch that. There are movies that, and this might be weird, but there are movies that I don't watch until I'm in, like, A, the perfect mood to watch them in, or B, I almost, like, I save them. Like, I tuck them away, and I'm like, I'm going to pull this out. Like, it's for your rainy day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're storing cash in, like, couch cushions or something. Yeah, like, even my favorite directors, like John Carpenter, I haven't watched all of his movies yet, or Stanley Kubrick, because... I, I just want some gems to be left, you know? Like, if I die and have one movie left on each of their watch lists, I would be probably okay with that. We can play those movies at your funeral. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. You nailed it. Okay. But uh, we're not talking about my funeral today. We're talking about The Jerk from 1979. Woo! This is one of Steve Martin's... It, I mean, it's his first starring role. That's right. And, and this re- movie really is his movie. And it captures so much of his humor and is really culmination of his humor up to that point in time. Yeah. Um, it's so it's obviously a comedy and I'm going to pass it over you to Mike to talk about the plot or uh, what plot is there. What such that there is. <laughs> such okay. that there is. Right. So uh, Steve Martin stars as Navin R. Johnson, who is living with a black family in Mississippi and on his 18th birthday they break the news to him that he Steve Martin is not actually their natural born son <laughs> he's yeah he was left at their doorstep right and and this... he, th- he thinks that he's black this whole time yeah and it really this news really throws him for a loop. So after hearing some music on the radio, 
he decides to leave the farm and go make a name for himself in uh, the big city. Mm. And things really just dovetail in a lot of different directions from there. This movie almost is like a series of vignettes. Like there is almost no real plot. I would describe this movie as the plot is used as a device to ensure comedy and hijinks ensue yeah just basically the plot is is just there enough so that we can get from one comedic situation to another yeah like there's a scene where um this isn't really spoilers but like there's a scene where some guy is shooting at him for basically no reason and (laughs) he's just targeted him for an assassination right right so he's working at a gas station this lunatic starts shooting at him he runs he runs away, runs into like a carnival, hides in a carnival booth, and then just the next scene is him just working at a carnival. So, like, <laughs> and it's just like, all right, like, <laughs> now he works in a carnival. Yeah, yeah. So, and it kind of, um, it kind of really speaks to the character of Navin that Steve Martin portrays. Like, he really is this, I mean, he really is kind of this lovable idiot yeah like he's this very innocent very oh hey indy <laughs> indy is hey, that we're, your best friend we're recording a podcast so naven steve martin is just this really lovable innocent bumpkin who just kind of he just kind of flits from one position in life to the next like he's very happy-go-lucky very like innocent really is simple op- minded. Yeah. Um, the operative word. There's a scene early on where so he's been living at this gas station that he's also been working at. And a fo- <laughs> the delivery man delivers the new phone book and he's so happy to find his name in the phone book. He's like, My name's in print. I'm somebody now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Things are gonna start happening for me now. And then almost immediately he's the target of an assassination attempt. Yeah. But, it's pretty great. Yeah. It's it's a true rags to riches to rags story. Yes. Um, and I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in the who this movie is for. Is I almost immediately thought of Forrest Gump when we started this movie. Yeah, kind of without really the historical backdrop. But yeah, yeah definitely. It, you can draw a lot of comparisons between the two. And Forrest Gump has such a widespread appeal as like one of those classics of all time with maybe some butts involved in it because of its importance in movie cinema similar to like Titanic maybe. Can I can I make a confession? Yeah. I've never actually seen Forrest oh Gump. Oh my god. Yeah. How however, I will say I have seen until I was probably about 23, I'd never seen Forrest Gump from start to finish. I'd seen the entire movie, but in clips of like 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there, not in any particular order. Like it's just a movie that growing up was always playing on TV and I never caught the beginning of it. I think you're right. And even just, man, maybe I'm feeling wistful because I just turned 30, but like even just the idea of like movies being on TV... Yeah. Like you could just turn the TV on and catch a movie halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> like you damn kids listening to this don't understand what an event this was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and this movie is somewhere in the same kind of magical vein as Forrest Gump. And let's let's wait to compare that a, a little bit later. You know what? Magical is kind of actually an apt word for it cuz I mean this movie is a comedy but it's not it's not really a mean-spirited comedy. No. It's actually actually the ending in particular. I was kind of like this is kind of nice. Like this is a relatively happy ending considering. Yeah, it, it ties it ties out pretty well actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we'll talk about that in in the spoiler <laughs> section. Even uh I'm just thinking about this now. So at the start of the movie it's his 18th birthday and Steve Martin runs to his room and starts crying. Because he feels different. This is before they break the news to him that yeah. he's not their natural born child. And his brother just, he's, his brother's trying to comfort him. So he walks in the room. He's like, hey, Naven, I uh, wrapped your sandwich in cellophane just like you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and it's weirdly just like, cool, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
this two, this whole episode is totally just going to devolve into me and you laughing at all of the jokes. Okay, well, together. you know what? Okay, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off right now. Yeah. When you recommended this movie, when you told me to watch this movie, I was like, sure, whatever. And I watched it this afternoon on my laptop. Honestly, I had a really good time with this movie. <laughs> to be honest, this is probably the best viewing experience I've had since joining this podcast. Wow. Really? I love it. I love to hear you say that. And, yeah. and on the Viewer's Choice episode as well. That's right. Cool. So thanks, viewers. <laughs> you made a good choice. <laughs> For sharing a really special comedy with us. Yeah. Just a little about me. Like, I really like comedies, but I don't often laugh when I'm watching them by myself. Because hmm. I'm kind of like, I'm analyzing them a little bit, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, like I'll watch like a comedy and a joke will play and I'll be like hmm yes that was very clever good job <laughs> you break it down in your head kind of it's like I'm analyzing math sort yeah. of but like I was like howling in my room today like <laughs> yeah. there are some moments in this movie that just like I like I could not I think a lot of a lot of humor is surprise right right it's stuff that comes at you from left field despite how absurd this movie is it kept surprising me yes like it kept um okay uh, just jumping ahead a little bit there's a moment later on in the movie where he goes to cash a check for t- a quarter million dollars and he goes to cash it thinking it's only 250 big ones or right. 250 donuts as he calls it yeah and then the guy tells him it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and when he finds out, his head swivels around like Reagan in The Exorcist. Yeah. And it's just like, I think I like, if I'd been drinking milk, I would have squirted it out my nose. Like, it caught me so off guard. There are definitely some moments that cut you off guard. And that's where you were talking about earlier, how, or how we were talking about earlier, how like, the plot is just so like, so bare bones that it really is just taking us from like, one comedy bit to another. And so you can't, you can't expect anything because there's not enough plot there for you to expect what's going to happen next. It's not formulaic, really. <laughs> no, like there's moments that are just like, again, there's that moment I was talking about where Naven gets his name in the phone book and he's excited because he thinks, you know, oh, now things are going to start happening to me. Hard cut to this homicidal maniac <laughs> randomly picking names out of the phone book, just being like, oh, this guy seems like a bastard. And yeah. then he goes to try to assassinate him yeah like i i've been a writer he hates the cans. <laughs> yeah he hates the cans. <laughs> these cans are defective <laughs> you know what i've been i've been a writer for 15 years and i'm pretty good at what i do i could never have come up with that oh like God. in a million years i could never have come up with that yeah okay Let's let's try to stay a little bit focused right okay. now. Let's talk characters and people you may know. So we've been talking about Nathan R. Johnson here, Steve Martin, uh, extraordinary actor, comedian, musician, and writer. He's got it all. And this is his first starring role. He wrote this movie. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the backstory of, of writing it a little bit later. How old do you think he was in this movie? His character is 18, but he's definitely not 18. No. Steve Martin also is just one of those guys who, like, he's all he's looked the same for 50 years. He's looked 40 his entire life. Yeah. Like, even now at, like, what, 80, he still looks 40. Yeah. So good for him. But, yeah. uh, I don't know. I want to say, like, they're maybe, like, mid-30s. Okay. So, just guessed 46, and I was like, no, nah, you're wrong. No. He's 38. And, okay. And, no, I guessed he's 38, He's actually 35, so you were actually the closest okay, to winner, yeah. winner, chicken dinner. Woo. Um, what do I win? Nothing at all. Oh. Uh, more more presence on this podcast. You get to talk more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now, Steve Martin is obviously a important comedian of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, so maybe some younger audiences where you might have seen him in the last few years. He recently, him and Martin Short did a Netflix special together called An Evening You Will Forget for the Rest of Your Life, which <laughs> I found very endearing. I absolutely loved it. Okay. Um, they also 
are he's also a part of the show Only Murders in the Building with himself again Martin Short and Selena Gomez. I remember seeing him promoting that. That only came out like last year, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I would recommend it. Honestly, it's a pretty good like it's a murder mystery who done it with Martin Short and Steve Martin's comedy and being brought to fucking it. Selena Gomez. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's great. It's it's really it's a really great cast. They all like really gel together. It's. I, I can't recommend it enough. Okay. I will say, for people our age or a bit younger, your earliest point of comparison might have been the 2006 Pink Panther remake. Yes. With Beyonce. He played Jack Cousteau. Yeah. The Pink yeah. Panther. Honestly, like, watching this movie gave me a lot of respect for him as an actor. Yeah. Like, he's fantastic in he, this movie. He is like, fantastic in this movie. And the other movies that you might know him from as well in that same time period, or maybe just before that in the 90s, that I grew up with more of was the Father of the Bride series uh, and Sheeper Bride of the Dozen. Okay, I'm not familiar. Okay, fair enough. Um, but the other movie that he's also really well known for that took place in the 80s alongside John Candy was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Right. Another classic that Jess and I rewatched this year. And it's uh, actually funny enough, this is a very timely episode, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles just got re-released last week with 75 minutes of additional footage. So you can go and find that, check that out, and uh, get a little bit more of that classic. I want to ask you, actually, while we're on the topic of Steve Martin, what is your relationship to Steve Martin? You know, um, I know that he was apparently a hugely successful comedian in the 80s but then at the top of his game he just retired and i watched some of his old stand-up special stand-up a while ago and like it's actually like if the intent of this movie was to translate his stand-up style into cinema they did a really good job because what little i've seen of his stand-up is very much like energetic and wacky and zany Mm -hmm. just like this movie yeah so but in terms of you know, my relationship with Steve Martin, uh, like, I don't really, a lot of his stuff was kind of, I feel like a lot of his most influential stuff was kind of before my time. Yeah. But and, I've always, and, whenever, it's one of those things, though, where whenever I have watched a Steve Martin movie, I've always been like, wow, this guy's really good. Yeah, and it's really funny because I think Steve Martin is, like, a very quintessential actor for our podcast because he's somebody who's just before our time who if you're not into old movies you might not have gotten to ever really experience him but he is somebody who's special that is worth checking out because you and i had an absolute riot with this one yeah and so did jason as well and i'm gonna tell talk about jason's review about later who the fuck who the hell is jason Um, my relationship with Steve Martin's maybe a little bit different from you because I had seen all of those movies growing up. However, like, I don't know if I really appreciated Steve Martin until maybe about the last five years. And I've okay. slowly been re-watching all of his stuff over the last five years and becoming more and more a fan. And like I said, it's kind of culminated with uh, him releasing Only Murders in the Building, which I've been, really been enjoying. Hmm. So let's move on, talk a couple of the other actors. There's one actor that I really want to highlight. Mary Kimball Johnson is the other character in this movie that kind of becomes Naven's love interest to the film. So she's played by Bernadette Peters, who you might not actually know as a as a large, important movie actress, but she is incredibly important in theater and won a large number of Tonys for appearing in a number of different plays over the years, especially in, like, anywhere from, honestly, like, the 70s right up into the 2018s, she was on Broadway. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, Good for her. And so the other movies that you might have actually seen her in are the musical drama Pennies from Heaven, which also happens to star Steve Martin alongside her. Oh, wow. Um, They really are perfect for each other. Exactly. And she stars in the movie Annie as well, like the orphan Annie. Oh, never seen it. There are a couple of other like smaller appearances that I want to name and just shout out. So Lenny Montana, who's the one of the con men who shows up later in the film and tries to con Naven out of money, is played by Luca Brasi. Or sorry, is played by Lenny Montana. Is he part of a... Iron Balls, McGinty's Entourage? Yes. Okay. Um, and so that is Luca Brasi from The Godfather. Oh. Who actually was a real life... Uh, Gangster? Yeah. 
I'm trying to think of the right word. Con uh, man, no. lone shark. He was, uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, no, he was an enforcer. Ah, okay. Yeah, he was an enforcer for uh, the Gambino crime syndicate, I believe. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so Damn. he appears in the film. Uh, Carl Gottlieb, who was Iron Balls McGinty, actually co-wrote Jaws. Fun fact. <laughs> and he was really good friends with Steve Martin. What? Yeah. And That's so, the funniest thing I've heard all day. So he actually helped write the screenplay with Steve Martin because uh, even though he had actually very recently to this movie become extremely extraordinary famous for co-writing jaws he was still very good friends with steve martin beforehand so he he got involved with he the just movie that way did it that's really cool yeah uh harry hartunian uh the gas station owner is actually the very famous stand-up comedian J- jackie mason who yeah yeah i hadn't heard his name before because he's another one of those characters who's kind of before our time um but you may know him from the rabbi in the simpsons Really? Krusty's dad? Yep. Oh, man. That's so... Because, like, he was talking to... uh, Whenever he's talking on screen, it's one of those things where I'm like... I definitely know this voice from somewhere. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's where you specifically would know that voice yeah. from. And then there's a couple other people that I want to highlight. M. Ebbett Walsh is the... The assassin yeah. in the movie, which is a very comical scene. <laughs> um, he plays Captain Bryant, the uh, police chief uh, in Blade Runner. He's also... Oh my god, he does! Yep. You're correct. He's also Earl Stutz, the sailor who first sees the Iron Giant in The Iron Giant. He's actually a very prolific actor um, who just kind of is a character actor who just appears briefly in films. But Roger Ebert once said that any movie that has Emmett Walsh in it by like absolute bare minimum can't be a bad movie. That's probably the highest praise Roger Ebert has ever given anyone. Yeah. That's really funny. Like the scene where he's whenever he's on screen, that's another one of those things where like whenever he was on screen, I'd be looking at him like I've definitely seen this guy from somewhere. Oh, you somewhere. have. He yeah. was actually most recently in the original Knives Out movie. Uh, he was Mister Proofrock, the security guard, uh, which is a fantastic movie, one of my favorites of the 2010s. Huh. The last person I'm gonna mention is Caitlin Adams, who plays the punk biker girlfriend in the movie. So, the woman who receives his special purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she's actually less known for her acting, but more known for uh, her acting coaching. So she's coached the Oscar winning actors, Jane Fonda, Nicole Kidman, Amy Adams, Brad Pitt, like the list goes on and on and on and on. So she kind of, she's kind of proof that that old adage, those who can't do teach is not true. (laughs) Yeah. Because she's also really good at this movie. Yeah. I don't really have any complaints about her. So that's a lot of the characters and people you may know are just cool pieces of movie history knowledge for you. The director of the film is Carl Reiner. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it's Rob Reiner's dad, who is a massively important comedian of the era even before this, really in the 60s, 70s, um, who frequently collaborated around that time with Mel Brooks. So I actually really felt the Mel Brooks influence a bit I in this movie. I was going to say, now that you've mentioned that, I could very easily see Mel Brooks's DNA in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Same here. And he actually ended up going on to do some other movies with Steve Martin, which we'll talk about later. They actually eventually formed a really good relationship. One thing I thought was really clever was Carl Reiner actually appears as himself in this movie. Yes. That was really funny. And actually, his son, Rob Reiner, the very famous director who I maybe am closer to at this point in time, um, who did like the movie Stand By Me. He also did The Princess Bride, And he did The he? Princess Bride, yes, you yeah. are correct. Uh, he had like a crazy run of like five years where he had like just banger after banger after banger. Wow. Um, but he actually plays, a has a small role in the film as well. He plays the guy in the truck who picks up Navin, the first hitchhike. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the company. <laughs> God um, darn it. But modern audiences, even though I was saying Carl Reiner is more an actor and director of the 60s and 70s you might know him from the modern movies the oceans 11 series Ah. he plays the old con man saw bloom 
Okay. If you've seen those movies and you love those movies, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. So, those are kind of the important people. Uh, let's talk who this movie is for. And I want to ask you a question first to open this Go up. on. Do you think this movie holds up to a modern watch? Yes. I, you know, there are some old movies that you watch and you kind of have to enjoy them with the knowledge that, you know, they, you know, you have to like kind of appreciate where this movie was in its time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I wasn't expecting much for this movie. I had a great fucking time. Yeah. I had a really good time. And I agree with you. I think this does hold up as a, pretty timeless comedy to be honest it fits really well as like a great 70s comedy but i i genuinely think that this is a good watch in 2022 and and um, i also not to cut you off i don't know if i should go there but like you know we're living obviously in very different times yep. and like this movie has a couple moments that are like Ugh, but like it isn't like it's not it's not a hugely offensive movie considering where we are now. So for a movie about Steve Martin, who thinks that he's a black child uh, for most of his life and realizing this, it's not a mean-spirited movie yeah. in any way. And I think I just kind of want to leave it at that at this point in time and save this more for the spoiler discussion. Sure. And and I think that's where you and I leave it and that we don't – I don't think this is a mean-spirited movie. There's obviously a couple parts that maybe feel like they couldn't be done in today's climate. You know, um, <laughs> I read that in 2015 somebody asked Steve Martin if – this movie could still be enjoyed now by modern audiences. And he said something to the effect of like, everyone was treated with incredible respect on the set of this movie. Yeah. So, and this is a movie that feels like everybody was having a blast making it. Yeah, absolutely. It it really pours out onto the screen. So I think those are like, it has widespread appeal. It's really enjoyable. I think where the movie actually maybe this is a negative just to its cultural impact and and why it doesn't have as much of a cultural impact as some of maybe Steve Martin's other movies is this is definitely not a kids movie or really even like a family movie like it would have been almost like awkward having been shown this as a kid by your parents what do you um, mean <laughs> just about Steve Martin discovering his special purpose <laughs> And so I think I think that is why this movie doesn't have the same staying power, but it's a movie that when you discover it as an adult, it kind of becomes special. It's one of those like movies that you find as an adult and you're like, God damn, that's that's a really funny movie. I really enjoyed that. And you might end up talking about it like you, you know, and I are now. You know, it's funny though, just thinking about it now, um, if there were a few moments that were just cut out or maybe toned down, this would work as a family movie. Yeah. Because this movie is almost a cartoon. Yeah. Like, there are some really absurd things that happen that are just so... I'm thinking in particular of, like, once he strikes it rich and, like, you see all the extravagant things he does with his wealth. Yeah. Like... This movie is almost a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I very much agree. It it plays very much like a Mel Brooks movie, and I think it's a little bit more adult humor, and the the adult humor is a little bit more blunt than a Mel Brooks movie is. Like, I think as a kid, you might miss some of the adult humor in a Mel Brooks movie, whereas in this, it's it's a lot more there. To be fair, like, his dog is literally named Shithead. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much... um, (laughs) And the kid who's wearing the bullshit shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you seen my kid? No, what is he wearing? He has a shirt that says bullshit. And you're just like, what? Yeah. And then, Um, uh, like... I don't know. And then she gets kids. She's like, oh, it would have been really embarrassing to come home without the kid. (laughs) (laughs) I think that if you're a fan of Mel Brooks movies, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Because like we said, it's got a similar DNA to his films. Likewise, I almost want to say that Jim Carrey has definitely some inspiration, pulls some inspiration from Steve Martin's performances. 
You know what? I didn't think about that, but that's an that's a really good point. That's the first person I thought about. The second person or group that I thought about is I think that there's a similar DNA to the movie Step Brothers here. Okay. And yeah. that it's a very light on plot, heavy on co- comedic scenes kind of movie and and the characters are the same kind of almost dim-witted kind of characters however uh stepbrothers plays as a little bit more of a mean-spirited version of this they both involve very innocent block-headed characters yeah in over their head in worlds they don't really understand exactly and, and the world is just as insane as they are Exactly. And and with how widespread appeal that movie had when it came out, I genuinely think that if you if you like Step Brothers, you're probably going to have some fun with this one as well. Yeah, I could see that. You and I rewatched Step Brothers a few years ago and I also I think it held up as well. Oh, absolutely yeah. it did. Yeah. I mean, Will Ferrell is one of my favorite comedians of all time. Like classic Will Ferrell is almost cannot be beat. Pretty much, yeah. He's just such a naturally talented human being, as well as just like Steve Martin. And I, I would imagine that Will Ferrell has shares some inspiration uh, from Steve Martin as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Honestly, I might go there. I might also say this movie is almost kind of... This movie might just be for everyone. Yeah! Because, like, like, it's not a dumb movie, but it's not terribly subtle or terribly sophisticated like steve martin is very like very big gestures like very big emotions right yeah like he really is kind of like john candy or chris farley you know what i mean yeah this really is this might just i feel like i could have shown this movie to my parents mm-hmm. or they've probably seen it they've probably honest. seen i feel like Hypothetically, if I had kids, <laughs> I could show this movie to my parents and my kids separately, and they would both find it really funny. Yeah. yeah. Th- this movie is borderline timeless, and it's a real shame that it's less in the culture than it is now. Because it's funny how some movies just stay in the culture and some don't, and part of it's just because of TV syndication for like our generation and the generations yeah. just above us. Now it's it's just I guess whatever ends up streaming, really, just whatever the algorithm smiles upon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're when still to watch. we're still waiting for the algorithm to uh, smile upon us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like and leave a comment, <laughs> please. <Yeah>. Smash that <laughs> like button. <laughs> Uh, when to watch. So I thought this was a really great Sunday night slot movie. Okay. Um, I also think because the runtime, it's only a 95 minute movie. Um, you could honestly really watch it any point in time during the week. Uh, it's like, it's really light subject matter. You don't have to think at all. It just plays out really well. It'll just kind of, it'll help get you through the week. Yeah. I literally watched it this afternoon and I had a really good time. Yeah, so. it's 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 very light, and I think this is a movie. You know, I had kind of a rough day at work. Maybe I t- turn this on to make myself happy. I would say this is a movie best enjoyed with other people. Yes, like yeah. I think my one regret is that I didn't watch it with like my roommate or anyone else. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely rewatch it together at some point. Yeah, I'll I'll think about it, but. Um. <laughs> Uh, where to watch? It's not currently streaming anywhere, unfortunately, but you can rent it just about anywhere where you can rent movies. I rented online. it on YouTube. So did I. Uh, okay, there you go. And I think that takes us to the end of our spoiler-free discussion of The Jerk. And honestly, like you and I both said, it's a really great original comedy that uh, has pretty widespread appeal. So if you're at all interested in watching this go check it out and come back and join us for the spoiler free conversation or the spoiler full conversation yeah (laughs) spoiler full conversation honestly seriously just go watch this movie it's really fun it is really fun it's a good time yeah um okay so we're into the spoiler full section now we'll start in front of the camera talk some of our favorite moments favorite lines and then we'll move back into the making of the movie. Okay. So, I don't... You and I were talking before we started recording that we didn't want this podcast to just devolve into you and me just 
shouting our favorite quotes at each other, but like, there's a good chance that's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe we talk about each of us share a couple of our favorite moments and our favorite quotes and scenes. I'll share what Jason's favorite moments and scenes are. And then we maybe hard cut ourselves off before it devolves into that. Done. So I would say I'm going to start with my one of my first favorite scenes um, is the assassination attempt at the gas station. <laughs> um, when he starts yelling, he hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the cans. That was honestly, I think that was really the first time that I started uncontrollably laughing in this movie. Like there were some times that I laughed out loud very hard during yeah, the movie and the yeah. opening scenes, but that one got me. That one genuinely got me. Hey, you're not carnival personnel. <laughs> That's Jason's, one of Jason's favorites. <laughs> He's not carnival personnel. Yeah. So that's one of Jason's favorite lines. I'm glad you brought that one up. I think uh, the scene where he gets seduced, like he finds out his quote unquote special purpose. Yeah. That scene is really funny. And just like... Even just from a writing standpoint, the fact that he's such a innocent, boyish, 18-year-old, quote-unquote, man, and then this, like, really sexually aggressive biker chick just horning in on him, like, that whole scene was so freaking funny. And, like, he's, they go to, her like, her uh, trailer, he's just like wow, like, they say you can tell a lot about someone by the way they live. Like, you're a genuinely filthy person. (laughs) And then he says that, and then she puts, like, a little slap of deodorant on one arm. Yeah. Almost, like, to prove him wrong. Like, I, so what I loved about that scene is actually the scene that follows is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, is the letter that he writes to his grandmother about the special purpose. I legitimately laughed so hard I cried during that scene I probably missed about half of what she said and what got me the most at the end too was when his brother bursts out laughing because he's trying to hold in his laughter at all of this at the very end because I believe in my heart of hearts that he genuinely broke character in that moment and started (laughs) laughing at how awesome that letter was Jesus (laughs) so funny that is without a doubt one of the the most comedic scenes of any movie I've ever seen, and it has to be the funniest letter I've ever heard re- read out on a movie. I think uh, one of the moments that got me the hardest was towards the end when, like, I think he lost all his money and he decided he's going to go hunt down Bernadette. So he has a moment with Shithead where he's like, doing the whole like ah oh, i gotta let you go you'll find a good family and the dog just runs off he's like hey come back i'm not done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the dog comes back and he's like no go on get out of here boy like i never liked you anyway and then the dog runs off and then he's like wait never mind i'll take you with me and then the next scene is him dragging, <laughs> dragging the dog the- behind him <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a voiceover with his letter where he's like shithead is guiding the way <laughs> like, <laughs> that was so funny yeah and, that- and then at the end, when he's, like, collecting all this stuff, and he's like, all I need is my dog. And the dog growls at him. He's like, I don't need my dog anyway. <laughs> like, uh. I want to say that uh, Jason's favorite scene is when him and Marie are lying in bed together, and Marie's asleep. And oh, man. Navin goes into his monologue about, I know we've only known each other for four weeks and three days, but it seems to me like nine weeks and five days. <laughs> and then he explains how he arrived he breaks at down. He breaks down the math. As an accountant, that must have really tickled you. I really you. appreciated it. I love the start of that scene where he's like, God, you're so... You're so beautiful and peaceful, almost like you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 what's really great about that scene and what Jason echoed as well in his review is that he just keeps it going. Like he somehow keeps the scene going with only explaining the math behind this and it's all pure gold. It's all of it. So and then at the end when he's like she, so he's talking to her and she's asleep and he's like I want to marry you. Say nothing if you're okay with that. 
<laughs> and it paused. He's like, you made me very happy. Like, it's so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he man. That. You know what else, what other moment really sold me is when the homicidal maniac comes back mm-hmm. and he's chasing him and like he like very painfully climbs over a barbed wire fence and then the guy comes up to him and just like opens the fence like <laughs> it just slides it open and then it turns out he's not trying to kill him he's actually turned his life around and yeah. now now he's a private detective and then he lifts his hat and his badge is on the inside of his hat <laughs> Like it's so, it's so stupid. There's so many hilariously stupid moments like that that are so genius. It's like, it's like observe observational humor. Like, what if we, what if we moved the audience expectation from here and we altered it and put it here instead? Yeah, it, it's like I was saying earlier. It literally is like a cartoon. Like, there's also a scene where like some like three hooligans show up in a car, and he's just like, you know, he's like. Oh, I need a credit card because I'm here all by myself, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, you guys got a credit card in there? And they start rummaging through all the purses they've stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and they find one. And he like, figures it all out that uh, they're they're playing him. And he decides to play him back. That scene is is quite hilarious because the, the conclusion of that scene, again, is one of those laugh out loud funny moments that I did not see coming in a movie. No. <laughs> and again, like I was saying earlier, this is a movie that like, it just keeps throwing sucker punches at you. Yeah. Like you're just pummeled by the end of this movie. Yeah. It's amazing. Even, um... There's a scene at the end with like he's got these like shady characters trying to like give him business information and then one of them says something uh racially insensitive, let's put it that way, and he just like flips out and starts beating the crap out of all of them. Yeah, he goes karate kid on them. And yeah. it's, it's and that was the scene where I was like, up until that point, I was like, I wonder if Jim Carrey was inspired by this film. And that scene I was like, Jim Carrey was absolutely inspired by this film. Yeah, I know. And then that's the scene that ends with him kicking a guy in the balls hurting his foot and then hard cut to the next scene he's having dinner with Bernadette she's like how could you have known that was Iron Balls Bikiti (laughs) (laughs) and and actually this is a good segue into that is actually Jason's other favorite scene of the movie is the whole um, they don't think we're sophisticated and how that plays out oh yeah yeah really great scene I I think I want to cut it off there I think uh, with our favorite scenes can I just do one more sure the scene where um he's got that butler, the butler's wife, and I think the butler's wife made some kind of error on her tax returns or something. So they literally like execute her by firing squad in the backyard. <laughs> and the butler's like, oh, uh, he screws something up. He's like, so he watches his wife get shot, and then yeah. he screws something up, and he's like, oh, I must not still be over my wife's death. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so stupid. <laughs> I do want to say before we end this segment, I want to end with Steve Martin's actual favorite scenes and comment on some of those. His 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 favorite scene itself is with M- Emmett Walsh shooting the cans at the gas station. And that that is his personal favorite scene. His favorite moment of the film is... It's, and this is actually from his 2007 book, Born Standing Up, uh, mm. if you want to check that out. I've heard that's a good book. Is the scene in which him and Bernadette Peters sing Tonight You Belong to Me, which was actually performed by the two of them in the film. Um, yeah. that's so, That scene is interesting because there's almost no real jokes in that scene. No, it's, it's just like... surprisingly like... I think this word gets bandied about too much, but it's surprisingly just wholesome. Yeah. You know, you're just like, eh, all right, like, they're in love, I guess. Yeah. The last bit that I wanted to mention here, and this is moving into our effects in filming, and that's where we're going to segue into this now with this, is that uh, Steve Martin adapted several of his stand-up routine bits from his actual stand-up for this film, and... One of the examples of that is actually the monologue at the beginning when he talks about growing up as a poor black child. Right. Which, if I had water in my mouth at that point in time, I would have spit that out yeah, at that point. Because that it's just flawless. It's, it's so unexpected for somebody to say that. 
And in addition, he also, uh, when he leaves his rich mansion saying, I don't need anything, and then he goes, except for this and except for that, and the scene plays out over like five minutes of him like picking him just up, picking up random, random stuff, stuff, like a chair, a thermos, an ashtray. Yeah, that's actually part of his, was part of his original stand-up routine. And oh. Jason actually went back and looked into his stand-up routine, which you can find on YouTube. And it's called Let's Get Small. And that's where where he adapted a lot of the stuff from that and put it in the film. Interesting. Yeah. And it works. The logic for that is that uh, Steve Martin was really looking to break out of his stand-up comedy and, and really make that jump, that crossover to film. And so he had written this movie and basing an awful lot of his routine and even once he got greenlit for this he got to choose the director and he chose carl reiner which was a fantastic choice in hindsight obviously they work very well together <laughs> the line from earlier it wasn't always easy for me i was born a poor black child uh which is comedy gold uh that is price especially in the movie when he says that and then hard cut to a black family singing the blues at a Mississippi shack, and there he is, just yeah. <laughs> with everybody. Just assuming that he's one of the black children yeah, involved in the family. And again, really. not played in a mean-spirited way, which is a, a really interesting and... It's a really interesting and complicated relationship throughout the movie, like... And I want to talk about that in Legacy later, so I'm not going to spoil my thoughts on that now. Okay. The title The Jerk came out of a discussion that they had about what they should call the movie. They wanted it to be something short, but had the feeling of like an epic tale. Right. Um, and the comparison is to the movie The Idiot. And so they I wanted think, something in the same vein as that. I think that was a book, The Idiot. Oh, okay. By Dostoevsky. Yes. Yeah, that was um, a book. Okay, I didn't realize that. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, a really interesting point of from the making of this movie is that this was actually taking place during the gas shortage that happened in the 70s so steve martin and carl reiner actually carpooled to set every day together um and so every day with them driving to set they would actually talk about the movie and come up with jokes and so they said that they added like one to two new jokes every single day while driving to set wow good for Um, them yeah really collaborative film that people had a lot of fun on the dog, uh, Shithead, and Steve Martin did not get off on the right foot. Steve Martin accidentally dropped his mittens on Shithead's face at one point between filming. And after that, the dog really disliked him and would <laughs> often cower when he tried to pet it. Um, and it, it really hated Steve Martin. And he felt really horrible about it. There's yeah. something about, like, okay, if a person doesn't like you, that sucks. But, like... If a dog doesn't like you, that hurts. It does You know hurt. what I mean? Because yeah. they love everybody. Yeah. The last effects and filming point that I want to make is, is something actually spectacular that I absolutely love about the, the movie history of this movie. Okay. Is that Carl Reiner decided to do a massive world premiere for this movie's trailer. Okay. So he did, he did like the works, like big, big movie opening like spotlights limos red carpet interviews like the whole nine yards and didn't tell anybody that it was just for the trailer everybody thought they were going to see the full movie oh my god so the steve martin got up in front thanked everyone for showing up and then they played it three minutes of trailer and then ended it and that and they didn't tell anybody So it, they they it, they said that the trailer cost it was gonna supposed to cost one hundred and ten dollars for the budget and it came ninety four dollars under budget for making it and so basically like they just like straight after that they closed the trailer and or the theater and left to send everybody home and that marketing sent this movie like to the moon that's actually brilliant yeah like just. Not only from a troll perspective, but that's really clever. Yeah. I'm uh, into it. I absolutely love it. I love the marketing behind that. Moving into score, the song Tonight You Belong to Me, which we mentioned earlier that Martin and Bernadette Peters sing together, uh, was actually performed by them. It's a rendition of a, I believe, 60s song 
Pick a Bale of Cotton, the song that we open the film up with and end the film with. It's an old traditional American folk song. It actually is a real song. Okay. Uh, somewhat controversial, I found out reading up online. Oh, for... with a title like that. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, for being kind of racist and potentially glorifying slavery. It was <laughs> written by black folk artists. So it comes from a a place of... The complicated legacy. Yeah, like, I don't know. As a white dude, like, I don't know if I can say whether it was racist or not. Like, I don't know if that's up for me to decide. That's um, very fair. So, yeah, do with that information as you will. But uh, the it sang so fast and so lovingly that it's it's really hard to pick up yeah, that it's maybe you know, got some really racist undertones. It's such a joyful song that, like, you almost... For me, anyway, I almost didn't really listen to the lyrics. Yeah. Or I didn't think about them critically. I was just swept along with it. And and there's a lot of songs, even in the modern music industry, that if you actually listen to the lyrics, they're quite racially charged or, or they're quite... Gruesome. Like, yeah. yeah like, that's fair. Uh, So, Legacy. This movie is cited as being one of the funniest movies of all time, which I wholeheartedly agree oh, with. Oh, absolutely. Stanley Kubrick, one of my personal favorites, absolutely loved this movie and would often quote it on his sets and was known for quoting this movie on his sets. And I quoted this today at work and the person didn't get it. Uh. I said, ah, so it's a profit deal. <laughs> you know, and the person went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jeez. I was wearing a mask so they could tell that I was laughing at myself. <laughs> <laughs> also had a heavy influence on Jordan Peele's comedy, which is really cool. That's somebody who's very in the zeitgeist right now. Interesting. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jim Carrey was inspired by this role for his comedy. Comedy in general is kind of in a weird place right now. And I kind of want to talk about that with you. Go um, on. Like, we haven't really gotten any big budget comedies not for a while all right you know here's a question hmm. when was the last time you and i went to a theater to watch a comedy it has been literal years like, yeah i would have liked to have gone to see jackass forever but that's a different type of comedy. yeah that's like a ducky comedy yeah um you know what the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is when The Other Guys came out in 2010, mm-hmm. Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, you and I went to see it. Yeah, that was maybe one of the last great comedies. Yeah. And we're talking about, like, we had a really rich era, and we were really lucky to kind of be up and coming in the era of... Like the Judd Apatow era, yeah, like and, all that stuff. And Adam McKay, that's the frequent collaborator with Will Ferrell, like, where oh, all okay. his movies yeah, came yeah, out yeah. of. And so we were really lucky to have those films. It also became, and I think this is also partially at fault with the internet, I think those movies created like a very tongue-in-cheek kind of humor on the internet and a very self-referential... A very, um, let's say a very 2000s edgy kind of humor. Yeah, and so, and now everything has to be like that, like, like all Marvel movies have to have that kind of feel with them. And I think that... And that's part of the reason why comedy's in a weird place. I think the other reason why, and this is maybe a question and a discussion that I want to have with you, is do you think this movie could be made today? Do you personally, not Steve Martin, do you think this movie could be made today? No. I agree. No. And I mean, I just don't think anyone would be brave enough to do it. And that is the exact (laughs) thought that I had as well, is... I actually, like you and I have talked about, we don't think this is a mean-spirited movie. I don't think the movie is inherently racist either, despite it maybe playing race up for jokes. We're also Um, two white guys. Maybe someone else from a different background would disagree with us. Yeah. But just from our narrow perspective, it seems pretty harmless. Yeah. And And you're free to disagree with us. Oh, absolutely. And and I'd love to hear like if if somebody does disagree with us and and their points about why. But I think you're right. I don't think that this is a risk that Hollywood is willing to take in 2022. And I think that is also maybe why comedy just doesn't feel as relevant right now is that Hollywood doesn't want to but also can't take big risks with their movies because of the precarious position that theaters and and 
theater the theater experience yeah i don't know if it's so much you're right i don't know if it's so much cancel culture so much as it's just just the situation hollywood is in right now right Hmm. they're making all these freaking marvel movies just because they generate so much income yeah although even that seems to be starting to downslide a bit yeah i mean it's it becomes quantity over quality as well right like if you if you put out 10 marvel movies that combined make two billion dollars a year and cost you uh, half a billion dollars a year it's the same as if you put out one marvel movie that cost you 250 million dollars a year and made up one billion dollars right like Oops. at the end of the day it's the same amount of money so if if you can make more movies and take less risk while also making big budget movies like that i i say why not right and that's what i think hollywood is doing is is taking like Big swings that really aren't actually swings because Marvel has just become such a bankable franchise and universe at this point at the movie theaters. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't really, I mean, you still get good movies being made like Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah. Barbarian. Yeah. Fantastic. Northman. Like, so like good movies are still being made. It's just, but you're right though. They're not in the most obvious places anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like, actually, in terms of comedy, I feel like 90% of the comedy I've consumed throughout my lifetime has been from the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, most of the comedy content that I have the best relationship with has been from, like, smaller studios or independent creators just distributed online. Well, and I think comedy as a movie is really hard to make feature length um yeah that's another thing like i did really enjoy this movie but i also feel like it could have maybe been just a little bit shorter yeah i think you could have kept 10 minutes out of this movie and had a really tight film but it also like if this movie had also been five or ten minutes longer i might have a less charitable interpretation of it yeah because i think with comedy it's judd apatow movies are really bad for overstaring their welcome are they yes i've never this is 40 Anchorman. Uh, uh, what's that's not funny a people? Apatow. Okay, I've never those seen those kind of movies. I've never seen those movies. So yeah, I'm gonna those have to movies take your tend word to for it. overstay their welcome a little bit. You know what Judd Apatow movie I watched recently that I actually really enjoyed? What's that? Forty Year Old Virgin. Yes, I thought that one movie. was actually like classic, a genuinely good movie. It is a great movie. Yeah. Just I rewatched it recently as well, actually. Yeah. So I think to conclude, I think yeah, we both agree that at this movie couldn't be made today but that doesn't make it any less relevant and exciting to watch in a way it almost you know it's kind of a moot point because like it is very much a movie rooted in its time like it has that zany mel brooks leslie nielsen Mm -hmm. naked gun kind of energy yes it's very much a product of its time and that's okay. And it and it still makes us laugh in 2022. I actually watched The Naked Gun for the first time last year with my parents. And that also... Actually, I can't believe I'm just thinking about this now. But like, yeah, this almost... Like, I could almost see Leslie Nielsen... Well, I mean, no, I couldn't because it's a very different character. But like, this feels like a very kind of... It's a very similar energy to those movies. Yeah. Oh, I very much agree. Like, this movie is borderline a parody. Um, It's just the movie that it's parodying came out like 15 years later as Forrest Gump. (laughs) This movie is so good. It's parodying something that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) What a flex. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie that I might come back to sooner than I come back to Forrest Gump, actually, as well. This is definitely this is definitely a great date movie. Like, next yes. date I go on, I think I'm going to try to show them this movie. Cool. And I can guarantee you that they haven't seen it before either. No, no one has. No. And it, and it really deserves to be watched. Absolutely. Sequels, prequels, and reboots, really quickly. Uh, the movie actually does have a sequel called The Jerk 2, spelled, like, also. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. Let me just... I bet it sucks. Uh, it's a TV movie, actually. It was oh. executive produced by Steve Martin, but not written by him. And the rumor is that it was actually meant to be a pilot that didn't get approved for a full TV sitcom, but ended up being made into a TV movie. So it sucks. 
Probably, yes. Okay. There, there are some good TV movies out there. I'm not going to knock all TV movies, but when as you far say, as a, it's almost like a direct-to-DVD kind of movie. Yeah, like right? a kind of Disney Return of Jafar sequel. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should watch it just for kicks. <laughs> <laughs> Probably together so that we yeah, can rip on it, right? Yeah. That's a, that is a movie we watch together. Something that's Definitely. bad. That'll be our next date night movie. That sounds great. I'm in. So let's move into our personal reviews and the partner factor. I... I think that the our audience knows at this point that you and I both really enjoyed this. We. I do want to speak to my review and, and Jess's review. Okay. Uh, like we both really like this. Uh, like I said, I've been a fan of Steve Martin for a very long time. I've seen a lot of his films, and he's been a part of my life for almost the entirety of my life. Well, yeah. not maybe a main character in my life, um, like someone like Chevy Chase has been, or Bill Murray. He's definitely been a supporting character he's up there yeah and like i said i've i've really come to love and respect him over the last 10 years in particular and i think i've watched just about everything he's released in the last 10 years and consumed a lot of it so Hmm. i've become a very big fan of steve martin over the last few years and jess also really enjoyed this film and had a lot of fun with it nice Uh, yeah let's hear your review I think you probably know by this point, I had a really good time watching this movie. I did watch it alone, so no partner factor, but uh, yep. my neighbors probably heard me laughing. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a very laugh out loud kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely wouldn't mind showing this movie to other people just to, you This know. is a great movie to show somebody who doesn't necessarily love old movies and sit down and watch it with them together. Yeah, because absolutely. you guys are really going to share some really great moments, and there are lines that I think I'm probably going to yell at you for the rest of our lives from this movie. And I'm looking forward to it genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think what what do you think is the most quotable line in this movie? I got to think about this one. Let's think about it, and I'm going to share Jason's review of the movie. He couldn't make it today for the uh, episode, okay? Um, but did watch the movie. He said, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Some really great gags and lines, even if they feel a little dated in a comedic sense. And I think that's just a sign of the movie being parodied and respected so much by comedians that it feels like something in some parts that you may have seen before. But like you said, it, it really subverts your expectations in a number of ways and at a number of times. However, he said the commitment of the people who went cockeyed was also really funny. (laughs) Um, And his transition into being kind of an idiot who's poor and then becoming rich and still an idiot. And then they don't know where sophisticated scene was one of his favorites as well. (laughs) <laughs> and all, and then he sent me all caps hey he's not carnival personnel <laughs> i actually my favorite moment the one that the one that really got me was when he's on his first date with bernadette and he says like here i have it pulled up here just so i can get it correct he's like yep now be totally honest you have a boyfriend don't you and she says kind of and he says i know this is our first date but do you think Next time you make love to your boyfriend, you can think of me. And she says, I haven't made love to him just yet. And he says, that's too bad. Do you think it's possible that someday you could make love to me and think of him? (laughs) And she says, who knows? Maybe the two of you could make love and you could think of me. And he says, I'd be happy just to be included in there somewhere. (laughs) That whole sequence was solid gold. Absolutely. And honestly, my favorite scene is still Grandma Johnson reading the letter that Maven sent about his special purpose. And I can't wait to watch this movie and again miss parts of it because I'm laughing so hard. Jesus. (laughs) Also, I think maybe just in terms of sequences, it's when he's rich in that priest comes to him to ask him for money yes and he shows him footage of a cat juggler it is very <laughs> it's, it's very so clearly steve, steve martin <laughs> with like dyed black hair just juggling cats <laughs> so stupid beautiful it's so stupid it's beautiful uh, uh, and what a beautiful movie what a, oh, what, yeah. a, what a what a genuine beautiful movie and i think that's it for our review it was a lot of fun. It's actually a pretty short episode because it's it's hard to talk about a comedy movie because it's you draw the line about just rehashing all of the great moments while also like respecting the fact that there's no way you and I could do them justice. Absolutely. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I think we, we leave it there. Thank you all so much for sharing this movie with us, and I hope to share this movie with other people. Up and coming, the end of the year, we're, we're into December. Our next movie is going to be our holiday movie. Uh, if you have any recommendations for great classic holiday movies, let us know in the comments. And we're going to end up end the year with a reflection of our favorite movies and favorite performances that we saw this year. And we still have yet to work out the details of what that looks like. But I am really excited about it because I do have some really great movies that I can't wait to talk about. And they're movies that we haven't necessarily talked about on this podcast yet. Mm, absolutely. Anyway, I think that's it. Thanks for uh, joining. And, uh, and you know what? Blake and I are going to sign off and go enjoy a nice hot cup of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you mean I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> Uh, St. Louis? No, Nathan Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) What's really great... Sorry, I'm talking about this before we end it. What's really great about that line is because SpongeBob SquarePants makes very great use of that line later. And so as a child, I had always been like... One of my favorite SpongeBob lines ever is, "Hey, is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Hello, oh, is this the Krusty yeah, Krab? Yeah. No, this is Patrick." <laughs> and and that is definitely inspired by this movie. It's and, definitely in the same vein. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, and so the fact that uh, this movie was the originator of that, and and that was actually ad libbed by Martin in that moment. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. All right, we'll end there. Thanks uh, for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoy this movie. Bye.